BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. What's up, nerds? This is Just a Couple of Arslings, the Last Kingdom podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jessica Toomer. And I'm Alyssa Fixie. We are writers for Sci-Fi Wires fangirls who started recapping The Last Kingdom in season three. So we decided to bring that nerdy, horny energy to Podcastlandia. Jessica, how are you on this what lovely, up, lovely Monday evening? <laughs> I'm good. Uh, we have, I've officially like moved yes. residences. So still in a closet, mm. still under a blanket doing this, uh, <laughs> but it's a new closet right. and a, the same old blanket. Well, that blanket um, won't let you down. So, <laughs> you know. It's my security blanket in more ways than one. Right. But yeah, so it's been good. I've uh, just exhausting. I mean, yeah. and then the holidays are coming up. I think everyone's just like so tired. Right. Yeah, you kind of can't really help but feel preemptively exhausted before the holidays because, yes, there are so many wonderful things that happen and it's a great time and a lovely time with family. But there is so much travel involved and logistics and shopping and it's just it's a lot. It's a lot. So I'm already starting to feel a little tension in my shoulders. Is that why you're going to go get bangs? I'm, I'm not going to get bangs. Listen, I am I'm going to so, shame you in front of I know, everyone so I that know. you don't do it. I know. I just, I feel like every once in a while I get that itch to get bangs again and I don't need to feed into that broken part of my psyche tomorrow. So I will not get bangs. I swear before our listeners, I won't get bangs. We all have self-destructive tendencies, but mm. if you get bangs... I, you are like required to post a picture of it on Twitter so everyone can see. <laughs> I won't get bangs. I've done it before. I can't go back there again. They're too much work. Can't <laughs> too do much this again. I can't. Well, let's talk about other bad, bad decisions. <sighs> bad. I don't know if it was a bad decision to make a Charlie's Angels uh, reboot, but it's not going so well right now. You know, it's it's kind of a bummer. Like the trailers. The trailers weren't great. Like, I think it's one of those things where it wasn't... I mean, I haven't seen the movie yet. Obviously, nobody saw the movie yet. But, um, (laughs) you know, the trailers didn't inspire a ton of confidence. Like, they looked fun. I liked, you know, Kristen Stewart's whole vibe seemed really cool. But, like, there wasn't anything that made it seem like a must-see to me. And... Like, I really enjoy Elizabeth Banks as an actress, but the only other movie that I've seen her direct is Pitch Perfect 2, which Which was not... Which was the least mm, perfect Pitch Pitch Perfect. Pitch Perfect 3 was even worse, but Pitch Perfect 2 was not good. Pitch Perfect 3 was barely a movie. Um, But, (laughs) yeah, I just... It flopped really hard. It made less than ten or ten thousand... Not ten thousand. That would be historic. Ten million... In the States, and it's just, that's rough. Yeah, that's That's, pretty bad. That's really bad. Here's the thing. I agree. I think that, I don't think the problem necessarily is that, you know, because, so there's been some talk. She's given some interviews. um, Elizabeth Banks. Elizabeth Banks. Yeah. Talking about, um, you know, maybe reasons why it flopped. And there's been comments about, it's not in the superhero genre, which is a male genre, is what she has said. Which I'm not sure. I mean, like, yes, it is. But I know more really intense female superhero fans than I do male ones. So, I mean. Yeah, I don't like to, like, erase whole groups of people by saying it's just one thing. So I, I don't, don't either. I don't agree with that. I do understand, you know, that comment is part of a bigger quote from her basically saying, you know, guys will go see a Captain Marvel or a Wonder Woman because they're usually setting up other things in a universe. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you see Captain Marvel so that when you see her in Avengers Endgame, you get it, you know? Right. Um, and also it's never, you know, even with those movies, Captain Marvel with Wonder Woman, it's never an all-female cast. There are bits of that that I think are interesting and deserve to like have you know full conversations about sure. i don't 
think that that's going to happen with this movie, like because of this movie. But yeah, it's tough. I feel like the marketing is what let it down. I don't necessarily think it's because it was women. No. And I think the marketing wasn't great. And here's the thing that kind of chaps my ass is people will point to this movie and say, you can't have a female-led action movie because Charlie's Angels did poorly. Mm-hmm. It'll be seen as an indictment of that entire genre when there are how many movies by you know fronted by men that flop every day and the directors, mm-hmm. the stars, they get another chance and another chance and another chance because they're men in Hollywood. Um, mm-hmm. So I hate that this is going to feed into that discussion in a negative way. But I will say this. Um, Elizabeth Banks kind of addressed the flop on. Well, she didn't kind of address. She did address um, the flop on Twitter. And I thought it was kind of a it was a pretty classy response. And she said, well, if you're going to have a flop, make sure your name is on it at least four times. I'm proud of Charlie's (laughs) Angels and happy it's in the world. And I think, honestly, that's that's the best way that you could respond to something like this, I think. And I, you know, there's a lot of movies out right now and movies that are coming out right now. So there's a lot of things sort of clamoring for your eyes at the at the movie theater. But I still want to see it. Like, I'm hoping it sticks around long enough that I can catch it in theaters. But yeah, that bombed hard. I know. It, and it sucks because I think you're right. Like, we, I think... Movies that are directed, written by women, or starring a majority female cast, mm. if they do badly, they're not given the same leeway. And that sucks because I feel like in a creative field, which is what movie making is, you should be allowed to have flops. I mean, not everything is going to hit. I think hopefully someone who wants to do a female action movie can learn from what this one maybe didn't do well and perfect upon it. Right. But I just feel like we're not, you know, we're not given that same kind of opportunity and that same understanding. No, I mean, I mean, Simon Kinberg got the opportunity to make two very bad versions of the Dark Phoenix X-Men saga. So if like (laughs) if he can do that like the prime example, I mean, really, I mean, yeah. So I hope I hope that this doesn't, you know isn't lifted up as an example of why people shouldn't make female-led films because I think that would just be really reductive thinking. And you know what? This could be a case of... There are so many movies, like, talking about... There's there's so many things that are kind of vying for your attention. And mm. add to that the fact that going to the movies is, like, more expensive than ever. So right. you really have to pick and choose. I mean, um, I'm a Regal Unlimited member, but yeah, I get it. <laughs> okay. Bougie, <laughs> Did they, like, take your coat at the door? I wish. I wish. Um, no, but I think I think it's it's a diff- there's a different kind of system now. And I feel like, you know, maybe this movie will have a second life when it streams. Like, sure. That, that happens a lot. So, yeah. yeah, don't completely write it off. Go see it if you want to. It looks it looks fun. I feel like it was just kind of let down by some different things. But. Who knows? Maybe it's not that bad. Right. Maybe it's not that bad. That's a ringing <laughs> endorsement. <laughs> that's the, that's but, the selling point for that one. Well, but like I said, I mean, nobody saw it and neither did we. So our endorsement. We don't know. Right. We don't know. <laughs> We're just trying to give We're it the benefit of the doubt. Right. Exactly. Anyway, speaking of giving someone the benefit of the doubt, let's talk about episode seven of season three of The Last Kingdom. Was that? I feel like that was a pretty good segue into what we got to talk about. I feel like you should definitely give yourself a pat on the back for that one. You know what? I'm Um, going to. Let's take a moment. (laughs) We kick off episode seven. Uhtred's come back uh, from his his little quest with Brita. I loved that so much. I'm a little (sighs) sad that it's over so quickly. I know me too. But I think it's like it's a little bit of a like, here you go. We know you're sad that Brita's gone Mm -hmm. because we get to kind of open up on the Cookham crew. They're having a grand old time, you know, drinking, playing Yahtzee, just (laughs) living it up. Finnan's taking a bath. I mean, everything is really lovely at, at the Flitz Estate. Osferth is healed. Everyone's doing great. Except we're wearing fur shawls right. indoors. I mean, we're living that comfortable life. Right. Except Citric is gone. And that sort of yeah. leaves everybody a little bit tense. Right. And Finnan tells, so, you know, Uhtred rides back up to Ethelflit's estate. 
He knows how to end this curse. He's like gung ho about getting Skade back. And, you know, one of the first things that Finnan tells him is, you know, Citric is gone. Right. And he's taken the prisoners with him. And Uhtred is super cash about that news. Super cash. Good journey then. It was. I know what I must do now. He's kind of really focused on this goal of, okay, I need to get Skade. I need to get to Heston. Mm-hmm. He seems, yeah, he kind of takes it in stride, which is, it's it's nice because I love, you know, seeing him kind of make these like blasphemous jokes and kind of being back to his old snarky self. But the loss of Citric feels like it should be a bigger deal than what it's made out to be at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And so he kind of after, you know, he t- catches up with Finnan and sort of gets the lay of his men. Um, he goes on a walk with Athelflaed and basically she tells him, like, I'm glad you're here, but I'm not going to hide from my husband. Yes, I know mm-hmm. he's trying to murder me, but that's just not that's not how I want to live my life. That's not how I want to rule my people. Um, and so while they're having this like intense, inspiring conversation, um, Athelwald's men show up and try to kill Uhtred and Uhtred in turn stabs the ever loving shit out of a dude with an arrow (laughs) it's a lot Um, and Athelflaed also proves that she's pretty good with a knife Um, oh she's down yeah she's down I had some Game of Thrones flashbacks when she's talking about the pointy end (sighs) I know it was like too it was too close to to Jon Snow and Arya and I really it almost broke me so I just had to move past it back back when it was good (laughs) Um, But yeah, so, you know, Uhtred recognizes Afa, who is Mm -hmm. Athelwald's man, and he he recognizes him from being in the Danish camp. And so he basically, they kill everybody else, and they send Afa with a message, um, sending him back to the Danes to basically tell him, like, Uhtred's coming for you, sleep with one eye open. It's a pretty brutal message, and one that I would probably shit my pants if I received that message, so... Yeah, chilling, chilling, chilling. And, um, you know, Alpha's definitely gonna, you know, take it back because he he squeals pretty easily. I mean, it's embarrassing, and, mm. and poor Finn doesn't get to use those pliers that he was, you know, teasing him with. So I feel bad for him, but. Which really, yeah, Alpha's definitely going to co- go back to that camp and be like, y'all fucked. Right. And, he, you know, it really says what kind of leader, quote unquote, Athelwald is, yeah. that his supposed, like, right-hand man sold him out immediately. Like, mm-hmm. not, he didn't put up a fight at all. He was 100% down to sell him down the river. So, I think that really yeah. says all you need to know about Athelwald. And especially when you compare that to, like, the speech that Uhtred gives his men after they send Alpha away. Follow me and I will take you down a hard, brutal path. But it is a path that leads to the one thing every true warrior desires. Reputation. He tells them, like, you know, I know that you don't get to just hang out in a castle and get fat and lazy when you serve me. It's a difficult road, but know that I'm like always in the mud with you. Um, And it really, it's inspiring to see. And it really shows like why these men stay with Uhtred, even when shit gets really bad. I mean, it is the medieval version of clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. Yes, like, Uhtred is Coach Taylor. inspiring. Or is, or is Uhtred, Uhtred Tim Riggins? Oh, Ooh. it's a tough call. It's a tough call. Oh, that's, that's I know. Neat. I know. I have to really think about that. But I think the takeaway, <laughs> whoever he is on Friday Night Lights, is that he's way more inspiring than someone like Ethelwald because he's promising them, you know, he he's kind of recruited this bunch. And so he knows that the most important thing to a true warrior is reputation. And mm-hmm. that's what they're going to get with him. Whereas, you know, Ethelwald's men are in it for the money and, and you know, money kind of changes hands so that means your loyalty can change hands if that's what you're in it for and so you know he gives this really inspiring pep talk Ethelfled is soups into it side-eyeing him the whole time it's pretty hot and um after that is kind of all done and her like you know she gets her little thrill out of watching him kind of inspire these men to go kill more Danes. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's what gets of, me hot. I don't know about you, but talking I mean, about I'm murdering my enemies, it. right? <laughs> yeah. Um, we kind of check in on Ethelwald, who right. was riding back to Winchester in a cart with, you know, a ton of chickens, which kind of fits. He's a pig. So, um, 
get on back there, Ethelwald. And he's he's been sent, if you guys remember, he's been sent by the Danes to do a bunch of things that there's no way he's going to be able to do. Right. Uh, kill Uhtred, you know, kill Alfred. Steal just, Alfred's army. They yeah, gave just, him an insane list that they knew he was going to fail for. Like, yeah. there's no way they thought he was going to be successful. So, he, you know, he rolls up in Winchester. He gets fought, caught by Father Pierleg and Bayoka snitches to Alfred, and he's immediately thrown in prison. Like, hi, welcome back. You're going to jail, buddy. <laughs> like, that's... <laughs> It's pretty quick. I mean, uh, did we expect anything else? No, like, absolutely I not. Think, yeah, Ethelwald did not receive the warm welcome he was hoping for. And I think back at the uh, back at the Danes camp, they're, uh, they're camped at Hunstanton, right. um, which is where Uhtred and his men kind of set off to once he gives them the pep, pep talk. They're like, yep, let's go do this. We're totally down for you, bro. Yeah. Uh, Skade is there. And, you know, for all of her talk of, you know, curses and this power that she has, she's chained up like a regular hostage. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, it, there's no I, she doesn't seem to pose much of a threat, at least physically. But I think where she is able to really wield her power is in how she manipulates men. She does it with Heston, but she really, really screws with blood hair. Like it's. He is completely in her thrall at this point. Mm-hmm. Like they have. What was it that blood? I don't know. <laughs> She's been feeding him blood. I'm assuming for years. Right. So it's, there's some kind of attachment. Yeah, it's super weird. They have this moment by her tree where she like collects her magical <laughs> herbs, um, and yeah, like she basically tells him. You know, he wants to know if he's going to be the one to earn glory in this fight against Alfred, and she tells him that. You know, things have changed and Alfred is destined to die in his bed at this point. Um, And so she tells him that he should sort of refocus his energy to killing Heston if he wants her and her power back because Mm -hmm. she's been handed around man to man. And Heston is currently her liege lord or whatever she wants to call it. Um, And if he wants her to be his woman again, um, he needs to kill Heston, which honestly... I mean, Heston has gotten out of a lot of scrapes before, but it doesn't seem like it'd be that hard to kill him. Like, he doesn't strike me as a super formidable warrior. I mean, he's way too, like, portly to be quick on his feet. So I feel like Bloodhair would definitely give him a run for his money. And, you know, I think this conversation that Skade has with Bloodhair... Out of anything that she's done this season, I felt like this was the most relatable because at one point she's... She basically calls Bloodhair and the rest of these other dudes just completely unworthy. And she seems so exhausted by everyone's incompetence. And I feel like, I mean, that's a mood that I can completely, like, understand sure. <laughs> coming from a woman, especially a woman in medieval times. Right. But I think, you know, Bloodhair sees this as, oh, she's tired of being with Heston. She wants to be back with me. Whereas Skate is setting up something even more elaborate. You know, she she's not interested in either of these dudes. Right. She wants Uhtred. She sees Uhtred as the warrior that's going to put her on a throne, put her in more a uh, position of more power. So I think that, you know, unfortunately for Bloodhair and Heston, they don't seem to, to realize that she's got eyes for someone else. And the only one that does kind of get to the truth of who Skate is Two Brita. people, Citric and Brita. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Citric's over here just, you know, throwing out these kind of deep, like, oh, she's poison to all men. It bums um, me out phrases. to see him. It bums me out to see him sitting with, like, the Danish lords, though. I'm like, oh, you don't belong there. You need to be back with your bros. But, yeah, um, being called poison to all men honestly feels like a good 2020 thing to go on my vision I mean, board. I, so Put it on your, like, Twitter bio. <laughs> See if anyone notices. <laughs> yes, yes, I'll do that. But yeah, so Brita, you know, really sees Skade for who she is and realizes that all she's doing is sort of sowing doubt and dissension among, among these Danish lords. And honestly, like, these guys are so divided anyway that the smallest thing can sort of set them off to being re- at each other's throats again. So Skade mm-hmm. doesn't really have to needle that hard to get these guys to want to, you know, make the square and kill each other. Yeah, and Brita is just totally over it. I think it has to be difficult for her to go from being at, you know, Ragnar's right hand. Mm. And Ragnar was a man who really commanded respect and was able to unite these tribes and and could have led them to a great victory to now be surrounded by, you know, 
these messy bitches, it's got to be rough. And so, you know, she does what she has to do, which is to get busy with Knut. Pass. Uh, I don't want to say any. I like throw up in my mouth a little bit just like saying it. It's uh, so gross. He's such a schemer. I hate him so much. He's the um, worst. But yeah, like she's on a mission to figure out who killed Ragnar. And Knut is a mover and shaker in this camp. So she knows that she has to get close to him if she wants information and Mm -hmm. she just, you know, takes one for the team. But yeah, speaking of taking one for the team, Edward is also super worried about whether or not his new bride, Aelfled, is going to be pretty. Uh, you know, that's really important. It right is. Now, that guys. is the priority when you're looking <laughs> on, for a we're queen. We're on the verge of a major war. <laughs> but my girlfriend better be hot. Yeah, it's <laughs> not great. Um, so, yeah, he kind of, you know, takes her off to go talk in the courtyard because, surprise, she is pretty. Um, and, yeah, his parents are left to haggle and it gets pretty it gets pretty heated. Yeah, so Edward and, and his girl are kind of bonding over their overbearing parents. And meanwhile, those overbearing parents are kind of talking about this bride price. And, mm-hmm. you know, the what's his name? I'm never going to remember it. Athelhelm. I, I Do you know what I've the, kind of dubbed him in my notes? It's mm. Bug Eyes. He has <laughs> the biggest eyes. Yeah. And so does she. It runs in the family. Yeah. Yeah, this dude, um, Sir Bug Eyes, right. is AKA Athelhelm. <laughs> uh, they know what I mean, right? Alyssa. Right, I get it, I get it. No, he wants he wants money uh, for his his girl. He brings up a, a interesting and not totally incorrect point, which is, you know, we're in a, a a season of change, and Alfred is going to die soon, and Edward's going to be a new king, and anytime there's a transition of power, things are unstable, sure. and who knows, you know, what it's going to be like in a couple of years. Um, and so he really wants that security for his family and for his daughter. And I think it's something that has to be hard for Alfred, especially to hear. I mean, he spent his entire life trying to fortify this, you know, United England. And then to have to sit across from this dude who just, you know, wants a couple more gold coins because he doesn't think this is going to last past his death. Pretty brutal. And he's got to be tired of hearing that he's going to die any day. Everyone tells him. Everyone's telling him he's going to die. Everyone is telling him that his legacy is precarious. Like, you know, I'm not the biggest Alfred fan, but even I feel for the guy a little bit because that is that's a a one two punch of bad shit to be feeling as you're dying. You know, this news that Uhtred is still alive sort of spreads to the Danish camp. And surprisingly, everyone's freaking the fuck out about it. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I mean, obviously, Uhtred is a great warrior and a great tactician and has won so much acclaim for himself and for Alfred. But it's always kind of funny to me that they're so concerned about this one man that their entire Dude. their entire plan can, like, fall to pieces because Uhtred is alive and at Alfred's side, sort of. They've got an entire Viking army. Like, it's all, you're all united. You've got so many men and... Just Uhtred's name Everyone literally freaks out. sends them. Yeah, they're it's like chickens in a hen house. It's insane. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Alpha comes back and he gives them Uhtred's warning, um, which works even better than Uhtred intended. And Heston and Bloodhair begin to kind of throw shade at each other. And of course, it's all about Skade and and right. Bloodhair. You know, takes out his anger on Alpha's neck. Mm. R.I.P. Buddy. And then. They make the square. I love it when they make the square. I love it. I just love when they yell, make the square. I'm yeah. Like, yes. It's the best. <laughs> um, but yeah, so while the Danes are, you know, fighting like they always do, um, Uhtred and his men, they come across this Saxon village where, mm. the, but it's in the middle of Dane land um, and it's prospering, which immediately makes Uhtred super suspicious um, because, you know, a Saxon village that was standing against the Danes would be having a much more difficult time. So yeah, he's pretty, y'all should be starving. <laughs> right. Sorry to, you know, assume that you'd be in a tight spot, but you would be in a tight spot. So right. um, Uhtred kind of uses this to his advantage. Um, he's sort of counting on the Thane, the man running the town, on sending a message to the Danes to alert them that Uhtred is there and Uhtred is coming. So he's basically like... You know, I'm going to eat their food and they're going to do my dirty work for me all in one fell swoop. And it's pretty brilliant, honestly. 
It's genius. I mean, Uhtred is such, at this level and at this stage of his life, I mean, he's such a, a, a master planner. And to kind of see him just casually carrying out, you know, his strategies, he's so certain and so sure of himself. And I think that's been something that's been missing this season because he has been, you know, he's been dealing with a lot. Right. So Dealing um, with the curse. It'll throw anybody off their game. His wife's died. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's been too much. And so... It's nice to see him kind of having having a pint of ale and broing it up with Finnan. And then, you know, these townspeople, they they come back and they basically tell Uhtred, you know, we've told Canood and Heston and the rest that you're here. They're going to come. We're surrounding you. Just come out like, it, you know, there's no point. Right. You're trapped. And um, this is exactly what Uhtred wants. And so <laughs> he just starts to set their shit on fire. And it's one of the best things I've seen on this show. It's great. Um, Uhtred and Finn just flinging some torches, burning Ugh, shit to the ground. Love to see it. Uhtred just, he loves burning things, according to Finn. Look. And you know what? <laughs> this uh, this scene is proof of that statement. So Yes. he Uhtred knows how to have a good time. Like, he is the kind of dude I'd want to party with in medieval time. It's true. He knows how to have a good time, and he knows how to leave a message. So he kills the Thane, who was so friendly with the Danes, and he tells the villagers, like, you guys serve the Lady of Mercia enough with this Danish bullshit. Kiss your shit together. Right. It's intense. It's really great. I love that scene. And, you know, speaking of Athelfled, like, she's dealing with a lot because Athelred mm. is, like, trying to get rid of her at every turn. He wants Aldhelm to hook up with her so he can divorce her. He wants to leave his men with her so that they can kill her. It's just he's throwing all these different things at her in an attempt to shake her, but he hasn't planned anything out very well. So it's just making her mad instead of making her vulnerable. I think, you know, the other misstep that Athelred makes is in assuming that his right-hand man, Edhelm, um, is still for him because right. I think after after all these years, you know, Edhelm's pretty fed up. And so when he gets this directive from his king to, you know, bed his wife so he can divorce her because the killing thing's not working out. And when he goes with him and Ethelred's like, I'm going to leave some men with you to protect you slash spy on you. Edhelm's like, nah, like I'm, you know, she's a much better leader. I recognize that. He's probably got a thing for her too because, I mean, it's Ethelred. She's... Amazing. amazing. Wouldn't have a crush on her. Right. But yeah, he's he's not for this dude anymore. And so uh, I think that's something that Ethelred has not been able to like suss out yet. I'm so interested to see. I hope that there's a moment between them where Ethelred figures it out that, you know what I mean? I, I Yeah. I want to see that like breakdown of that relationship. That um, kind of betrayal. I've, I, yes. want, I want yeah. Athelred to feel that because I yes. hate him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and he's, you know, trying to do such shitty things. So, yeah. So Edhelm is, is kind of helping helping Athelred at this point. And, and he's like, you know what? Take the men that he's he's offering. I'll pick them. They'll be loyal to you. You won't have to worry about it. That is a good. Um, I'll let you know what he's doing. Right. Yeah, that's mean, a good gesture. So, I mean, you know, Aldhelm, he definitely had a rough start. But now that he's sort of allied himself secretly to Athelflaed, like he's making good decisions and he's being a stand up dude. I'll give him another chance. Sure. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um Back at the Danes camp, though, with someone who's not going to be getting another chance. Oh, my God. Blood hair. hair. He is such a dramatic <sighs> weirdo doing his, like, <sighs> tai, chi, his tai chi, sucking on Skate's fingers as she smears Gross. blood all over his face. It's just, it's such a display. Like, just, mm-hmm. just go fight, man. Like, you don't have to do all this, you know... I don't know, pageantry, I guess. It's just... I know. It, it reminds me of, like, WWE wrestlers. Yes! I'm just like, where is, like, the announcer? You know what I mean? So right. that he can come in all oiled up and, uh, like, make a big show of it. Right. Yeah. He's ready to get cast um, in the chair. Like, that's... <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. But so, you know, he pumps himself up. They they do the square. Skate brings him his blood and feeds him. Brings him the blood. Ugh, it's so gross. Disgusting. It's so gross. Um, but he seems to be doing quite well at the beginning. I mean, he's obviously a better fighter than Heston. Yes. There's a point where, you know, he's stronger, he's faster. There's a point where he's going to finish him. And and I'm like, oh, God, finally, we're going to get rid of Heston. And then whatever, you know, drug was in 
that blood that Skade gave him just kind of kicks in. She roofies him. him. She roofies him. That's it. She roofies him. Yeah. This was the first ever case of uh, roofing (laughs) in medieval times. (laughs) Um, And it ended in death. Yeah, it's it's pretty brutal for blood hair. I mean, not even a face full of snow can like help him come down off that high. Right. It does. Yeah, it really it goes badly. And I think everybody's pretty shocked by that. Like, I think even Heston Mm -hmm. is shocked that he was able to defeat blood hair at this point. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, he takes full advantage of it. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, Heston had to have known that he was not long for this world. And if Skade Hatton of poisoned blood hair, it would have been him, you know, going to Nifle him. Right. She poisons him and she's the one who deals the killing blow, which feels just like, you know. The literal and, and metaphorical, it. right, the literal and metaphorical twist of the knife. Like, it Ugh. was, that was a rough way for blood hair to go out, but, you know, I can't really say I'll miss him. I mean, I won't miss him. But he I was a pretty good I'm... bad guy, though. Like, he was, as far as the, you know, sometimes these Danish lords feel a little interchangeable, and I feel like with the whole blood business, you know, he stood out. <laughs> he killed horses. <laughs> I'll remember that. I'll hate him um, for that, so... <laughs> Yeah, no, I think I was just, I was more upset to not see Heston die. You know what I mean? Fair. That's where my, my sadness came from. I wasn't sad to say goodbye to Blood Hair. Right. But I would have rather had Blood Hair than Heston at this point, because he's just the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so this this kind of happens, and after this goes down, Canute rides off to the village um, to kill Uhtred. Right. Uh, he meets with Heston and, and offers Heston... You know, the chance to kind of make this reputation for himself by killing, you know, the best warrior alive, I'm assuming. Right. And um, Heston's like, no, nah, thanks. Bro. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> Just had a fight. Right. Just going to chill. Um, so, yeah, Canute rides off and the the camp is, is left in Heston's hands. And then back in Winchester, Athelwald is not having a good time of it either. No. he's He's got to make his case in front of the Witten. Um, Which you, you know, would think he would be okay at because, you know, Athelwald's skill is in his words. Yeah, if you he's can a say talker. Right, exactly. Um, but yeah, it does not go well for him. Bayoka is there who is spilling all the tea about him being, you know, allied with the Danes and that's why he's here. He's a spy. You know, Athelwald claims, no, actually, I've been a spy for Wessex, um, but nobody, you know, nobody really believes him. And then he sort of shifts the blame onto Uhtred and says, well, he was in the camp, too, so it wasn't just me. And even Aleswith, who we all know hates Uhtred, even she was like, that's bullshit, buddy. Like, this is on you. And I think it's yeah, the only time I've ever really agreed with Aleswith. <laughs> I know. It's the only time I was like, yes, you get it, girl. Right. No. Um... I wasn't that enthusiastic. I was just like, <laughs> yeah, she's right. Um, but I think the thing about Ethelwald is he seems very taken aback that this Witten isn't going his way. Right. And, you know, he uses this kind of shoddy excuse of, no, I was I was spying on the dames for Alfred. I'm totally loyal. Except you don't bring back any big secrets other than their strategy of kind of just waiting for Alfred to die. So, you know, if you have been spying for us, you've been doing a pretty shit job at it. At it, and the consensus is let's kill this dude. He's been annoying his entire life, and now he's become a liability. And Alfred really struggles with that. He struggles with the thought of executing, you know, his brother's son. I don't think he has any love for Athelwald himself, but he did love his brother. And you know, he's he, yeah, you know, he he really did. He did love his brother, and so he doesn't want one of his final acts alive mm-hmm. to be to execute his brother's son. Um, and also, I think he's like super concerned. I think he stopped. He, he mentioned stepping from the path of Christian mercy. And so I think he's really worried about doing too many, you know, controversial things because he's worried he won't get into heaven. So he's like planning for, you know, the next life as well as how he's going to finish this one. Yeah. I mean, when you've got one foot in the grave, those are the things that keep you up at night, I guess. For turning an eye to the Danes. The punishment is blinding. He decides, you know, against Aylesworth wishes to spare Ethelwald's life yeah. and to take an eye as punishment. Mm. Uh, again, Ethelwald is super surprised. And I'm just like, dude, you should be happy they aren't putting a head, your head on a spike. But right. I think the most interesting part of this whole thing, obviously, I'm super excited to kind of see Ethelwald, like, you know, face some consequences. That's always nice. But. I think Ethel, as Ellsworth and Alfred's 
argument here is what was so, was so interesting because Alfred's on his way out. I mean, that's clear. Mm-hmm. And we've we've had to hear it all season. And so we've seen kind of how he's confronting this really hard truth. I think this episode, we see how Aylesworth is, is kind of readying for this next phase of her life. She's going to be completely responsible for making sure that Edward sits on that throne, that this transition of power goes smoothly, that all of Alfred's hard work stays in place, yeah. that her son lives. I mean, it's a lot on her shoulders. It is a lot. Like, she's kind of going to have to take on the role as, you know, sort of a custodian for Alfred's legacy. And that's a mm-hmm. lot to have to deal with, especially, you know, even in the best of times, if England was at peace, that'd be a hard, you know, a heavy mantle to bear. But this is a country that's, you know, it's not unified. They're facing pressure from the Danes at all sides. Like, it's tenuous at best. And so mm-hmm. Edward is going to be inheriting a really rough job. And Aleswith is going to, you know, have to be at his side to help him with it. Because, you know, his new wife seems sweet, but she's not going to be a great advisor. She's not going to be, yeah, she's not going to be a warrior at his side the way Aleswith was. You know, right. I think Aleswith... <laughs> really defended and protected Alfred a lot. I mean, she, anytime he was in any kind of tense situation, she was always there backing him up. It's true. Um, And so I don't think that this, this new chick is, is going to be as ride or die, at least in the early stages, maybe mm. for Edward. So, yeah. So I, I feel for Ailes with this episode because Alfred's not making this whole inheriting burden job any easier um, by sparing Athelwald's. He does take his eye, which is really nice. It's super um, gross, though. That's a gnarly wound. I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. Um, but you know what I really loved? Weird. I loved um, Citric and Uhtred reuniting and <sighs> revealing to everyone that they were just kidding. They were going for that Oscar gold. And yeah, Finn may have pretended that he knew all along, but he did not. That is a lie. You were playing us. My goodness, they were playing as Finnan. Why? <laughs> if you had not believed it does, further nor would others. There's no way, because you know what? Cedric is a low-key thespian. Yes. He sold that performance. He did. Like, give him all the awards. And sweet Ozfroth's reaction is Ugh, just so adorable. I love him. I just loved every minute of this. I loved that, you know, uh, there's a, a moment when Uhtred is like, you know, you've, you've never let me down, Cedric. And I think that's so true. And so I loved... That the show gave them this little this little plot that they had together and kind of really highlighted that bond because Citric has has been down for a while and um, he deserves the the time to shine. It's true. It's really really true. So yeah, Citric tells him you know Hessen is the only one in the camp who's you know has any power. This is the time to go. Um, so he tells Uhtred about Skade's little tree that she goes to hang out by (laughs) and he tells her, all right, so I'll get Skade, we'll meet you at the tree and then you guys can sort of make your escape. And yeah, so Skade and Uhtred are reunited. They kiss. It's gross. gross. (laughs) I literally have gross in all caps in my notes. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, I guess she's his woman now. Osberth is, you know... (sighs) He's pretty chill with slicing necks at this point. Yeah. Everybody's, you know, ready to down to murder. So they get down her out. Clown. Yeah. <laughs> um, Citric tricks the Danes into prepping their ships, which is pretty brilliant. Um, and yeah, so they sort of escape. And I really wanted Utra to flip Heston the bird on their way out. But unfortunately, we don't get everything we want. But we do kind of get this little moment of closure with Finnan rowing the boat. Yes, it's really beautiful. I mean, okay, guys, we love parallels. Um, yes. I feel like that's uh, like our, our English Literary, lit, lit majors, you know. Literature, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So they escape the Danish camp by getting on this rowboat, and Uhtred's at the head of it, and Finnan is just yelling, pull, pull. And it gives such, such a nice kind of full circle moment from season two when Finnan and Uhtred met on that slave boat. And they were both down in the pit and it was someone else kind of, you know, yelling these directives and whipping them if they didn't row fast enough. And so it felt very, yes, it felt so nice. It felt like such a great arc, such growth. Yeah, I don't know. I I think there are like moments like that, little moments all in the show. But this one really stood out to me as something where I just paused it and was like, yes, like it was so satisfying. Very satisfying. Almost as satisfying as... 
um, Athelwald's disgusting gouged out eye, but you know, almost, almost. <laughs> it was it was a tough call. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. So now it's time for our next episode wishes. This is when we issue our demands for upcoming episodes like the spoiled toddlers that we are. Here's what we want to see, when we want to see it, and why we won't be denied. Alyssa? Okay, so... We're seven episodes into the season. There are only Ooh. 10. Skate has to die. Like, for real. It's been way too long. And we finally saw her powers. And honestly, I was unimpressed. She did something that every frat guy in America knows how to do. And I just, you know, I wish I was more enthusiastic about a poison to all men. But enough. Please end <laughs> our misery. Um, but mostly I just want to see, you know, a reunited Kokum crew enjoying a little bit of their victory. You know, the Danes are waiting for Alfred to die and they want to exploit that chaos. And I'm starting to get a little restless. So I'm ready for someone to do something. Just something. Please. Anything. Please. <laughs> um, so I'm hoping Uhtred, you know, taking Skade leads to more division between Hessen and Canute. And hopefully they'll just, you know, kill each other. And, yeah, I agree. I hope that he kills her. I think we know how to end this curse. There's so many ways that he can get rid of her without spilling her blood. Um, Uhtred's proven that he's surprisingly sharp. So just figure it out and rescue us from this hell of watching Skade. Just stare open mouth at men. Oh, my God. Such a mouth breather. I can't handle it any longer. So gross. Like, that's not magic, y'all. Like, that's just a woman using her wiles to to manipulate men. And normally I'm all for it, but I'm just really tired. (laughs) (laughs) So the last kingdom has a massive cast of interesting characters and nearly everyone gets their time to shine. Our arsling of the episode is the character who truly goes above and beyond to win the war or simply win our hearts. Jessica, who is your arsling Mm. this episode? Okay, so I was going to kind of heap some praises on Uhtred. I did that last episode, Mm. so I'll kind of stop myself from doing that again. I do want to say I'm really proud of our boy. He's just so smart. Mm. I know. So proud. It's true. Um, The whole plan with the village and then with Citric, it's just perfect. But I think to that end, I'm going to name Citric as my arsling of the episode. An excellent choice. God, he sold that breakup with Uhtred like he was Meryl Streep, hungry for her 40th Oscar. It was a sight. (laughs) Yeah, there's that moment where they have a little kind of heart to heart and uh, Uhtred recognizes Citric's value and that he's always been his ride or die. And he's he's the guy that I would want at my side if I was kind of traipsing across England, outrunning Viking hordes, trying to catch a witch that cursed me. I mean, there's no better compliment that I can throw when it comes to this show than that. Well, yes, that is correct. So if you're going to take Cedric, I'll go ahead and take Uhtred then. Um, he des- he deserves to be someone's arsling because he kicked ass in this episode. You know, it really, this episode, it really proved to me why men follow Uhtred so willingly. Like, yeah, mm. he's tough and it's probably going to suck a lot of the time that you're with him, but he's always going to be with you in that shit and will always, you know, sort of ensure that his men are taken care of. Um, which I think is really rare on this show, you know, like compared to men like Athelred and even Alfred, especially after what went down a few episodes ago, like they are perfectly willing to treat their men as disposable. And this this sort of bond that Uhtred has with his men is such a stark contrast and proves that he is, you know, unequivocally a good man. 
Yeah, I would follow him into any battle. 100%. Get ready to shame down the worst character of the episode with this. It doesn't matter if you're a Saxon or a Dane. Anyone can be a turd, and we're calling out the biggest one of the episode. So, Alyssa, who was just getting on your last nerve this episode? Listen, seeing Seeing Athelwald get what's coming to him was one of the most Mm -hmm. satisfying moments on the entire show. You know, we've seen him sort of play these games with people for years. And, you know, he betrayed the Saxon for his own gain many times over. And he was finally seen for what he is, which is a liar and a cheat. So... You know, a single eye feels a little insufficient, insufficient, but forcing a vain man to live with such a disgusting wound feels fitting. You know, besides, Uchard is coming for him anyway. Oh, yeah. He's not long for this world, so I'm glad that he's going out a little bit uglier than how he came into it. Mm, yeah. So, yeah, I agree. Ethelwood was a lot. I think, you know, no one irked me more than Skay this episode, though. Fair. Um, fair. More than fair. <laughs> It's not that I was rooting for blood hair, per se, but she did that man dirty, Mm. y'all. Like, so dirty. I mean, making him drink some kind of LSD-tinged blood before that battle, knowing he could have won, and then finishing him off herself. Like, that's just the worst kind of behavior. (laughs) Um, I appreciate the cunning. You know, she obviously has a plan in place for herself. But I also think that way too many men have died for this woman who can't even do hocus pocus level magic. The Sanderson sisters would want nothing to do with her. Nothing. She is a disgrace to all true witches. It's true. It's 100% true. Now, this is clearly a very serious podcast about a very serious show, but sometimes it's nice to indulge in a little thirst. It's 2019, the world is on fire, and honestly, we deserve this. So this is our time to celebrate the thirstiest moments that really blew our skirts up this episode. Jessica, would you like to start us off on this relatively thirst-free episode? I mean, okay, guys, season three is really testing us, Mm. and I just want to take a moment to applaud both of our abilities to find thirst in literally in the, sm- in the smallest <laughs> moments yes That's yeah we're <laughs> we in the desert and we're still finding little drops of water mm. um so i think this episode you know finnan utrid torching shit down i don't know why don't ask me just accept that this brings about my thirst and let's move on listen don't question the cavewoman brain. I definitely <laughs> agree. There was a real delight to their mayhem, and I enjoyed it immensely. So maybe they're not, having fun. Right. They're having a great time. They're doing feats of physical strength. That in and of itself is enough to earn my thirst more often than not. I think it's safe to say that we've never been accused of being in unenthusiastic in our fandom we annoy our friends our family and now you our devoted listeners so welcome to geek out where we will offer up our humble suggestions about what we think you should be watching and reading and Alyssa, our geek there's out really only week. one thing we can talk about it's a very special geek out yes um, for us we need to talk about baby yoda because he has taken Do over twitter ever. <laughs> <laughs> he's taking over my life yes. i dream about baby yoda it's true Ugh. um Literally this weekend, I was hanging out with some friends and my friend looked at me and she was like, have you seen these gifts of Baby Yoda? And I was literally looking up gifts of Baby Yoda as she asked me that. So Baby Yoda has clearly tapped into something into everyone's brains. And all we can think about is Baby Yoda on The Mandalorian. Look, any kind of baby thing is it, it's just like universally cute. I mean, you think about like the puppies or kit, kittens or porgs. Yeah. Or, yeah. There's just something about um, cute little animals and things like that. I mean, Yoda, baby Yoda is not an animal. He is a creature. Species, a creature. But he's actually, um, he's actually a puppet, though. He's not CG. Are you serious? Yes. He, oh, my God. They've done so well. I know. Like, I'm sure there are some shots where he's CG, but largely, like, he is a puppet, and it's practical I effects. I love that. Yeah, Werner. Oh, my God. Puppets Werner, are making such a comeback. Uh, they are, and I support it. But, yeah, Werner yeah. Herzog said that he cried when he saw the Baby Yoda puppet. So, I mean, Baby Yoda is yeah. real. <laughs> Did you? I, I saw that, that headline of it. It's like saying he cried when he saw Baby Yoda on set, and I was like, I cannot believe this is the headline. 
we get in 2018. Listen, like, you what just a fucking gift. you throw <laughs> all sorts of weird shit into a headline generator, and you just don't know what's going to happen in 2019. Um, it's beautiful, but yeah, like I've enjoyed the first two episodes of The Mandalorian. I didn't expect it to be a show about you know a single dad doing his best, but I think that's kind of doing what it's shaping up galaxy. to be. Um, I love it. I do too, and I think I liked the first or the second episode a lot more than the first, and I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to seeing you know more of the character work. And instead of just these cool set pieces. But, like, yeah, Jawas are back. I'm ready to, you know, hang out with Baby Yoda, see him use the Force. It's Oh, my God. Protect that thing at all costs. Yes, 100% protect Baby Yoda and the Mandalorian, because he didn't have to bring him along. He could have, you know, taken him in cold, but he chose to keep him alive. How could you kill something so cute? How could you possibly kill something so cute? (laughs) Here's what I want this show to be. Mm. I want this show, you know, throughout the season, I want it to be a will he, won't he turn in Baby Yoda for this money. Yes. I don't think he's going to. I don't think and he I, is either. I want it to be that, like, I mean, yes, the action and everything is, like, super nice. But I like that this bond that they're creating between these two, and that's what I really want to explore. And I also, I know this is, like, just selfish of me. Um, and I get that it's a character thing, but I, I want him want to take off the Pedro helmet. Pascal to take off that helmet. Yes. Why would you cast Pedro Pascal and his beautiful face and hide up How behind a helmet? Like, I'm glad that he's finally protecting his eyes. R.I.P. the Red <laughs> Viper. But like, come on. I just why would you cast someone as charismatic as Pedro Pascal and keep him hidden behind the armor the whole time? Yeah. Come on. And here's the thing about that. I think. So uh, these episodes are very short, much shorter than I thought they were going to be. So I that kind of like it. It constrains the amount of connection that I think you can make with this dude. I don't know. When I he's wearing a helmet for 30 minutes. Maybe. I like, don't know. I feel like it can. it's kind of like an all killer, no filler situation. Like, mm. I, I'm definitely of the mind that most TV shows are too long. Um, and I That's say true. that as someone who loves television and watches a lot of it. But, like, I'm not mad about him just being a half hour long. I'm not mad that it's a half hour long. I just want I want a balance between getting to know this character and then all of the action. That's fair. And I feel like it's it's been a little heavy on the action. I get why you want to kind of entice people into it. But, yeah, I really want to explore this relationship between Baby Yoda and the Mandalorian. And I want to see... Pedro Pascal's beautiful face. But mostly... I don't think that's asking for too much. It's not. But mostly I just want all Baby Yoda More all baby the time. Yoda. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> I want to see him snack. I want to see him nap. I just want to see him do things. Yes. It was delightful watching him eat that frog. It was delightful <gasps> watching him take a nap. Just all the Baby Yoda. I could watch just the show. If the show was just about Baby Yoda, like, growing up, I'd be totally fine with that. Yes. All right, guys, if you want to hear more of our bullshitting, check us out on Twitter or over at Sci-Fi Wire Fangirls. Also, don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us a nice review wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, destiny is all bitches. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader, too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.